the fourth message, the believers in Thyatira. Chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. This is the longest letter of all the seven, and probably the most troubling of all. As always, Jesus uses something positive, something good to say about every church. And He was praising them for some sterling qualities they have. Love, faith, service, and patient endurance. Something else Jesus said. The latter works exceed the first. Now, look, growing in love and growing in faith and growing in service and patient endurance, wonderful. What else? This is a growing church. This is a mega church. This is a contemporary church. It's a with it church. At that point, you expect Jesus said, attaboy, keep it up, doing great. This is great. But sadly, he tells them that there is a cancer of moral compromise that is growing on the inside of them. Beloved, this is a sobering word. Today, there are many wonderful megachurches, Bible-believing churches. They love Jesus, serving Jesus all over the world. I'm not putting everybody in the same bucket here. But those growing churches have moral compromise, which is eating them from the inside. What did Jesus say? He said, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. You know, she's a Phoenician. She's a Baal worshiper. But the king of Israel, Ahab, married her. Be very careful before you marry. Ask the Lord. Are you unequally yoked? Because what she did, she didn't only emasculate him. She actually became the symbol of all that is evil. She became a a symbol of moral compromise of all sorts. And why does the Lord Jesus hate the spirit of Jezebel? Listen to me. Because moral compromise inevitably going to lead to apostasy altogether. It happens, and it happened before our eyes. And in the old days, it used to take so many generations to go from moral compromise to apostasy. Now, with the speed of everything, it takes half a generation. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. When sexual sins are tolerated and quietly approved, it's a matter of time before the church to cease to be the church of Jesus Christ. As I said, some of us were in churches like that. I was in a church 30-plus years ago where they preached tolerance and grace and compassion and non-judgmentalism. Until, of course, now, it is no longer the church of Jesus Christ. Please, please hear me right. One of Satan's most effective weapons against us is our flesh, as we saw already in Balaam. Satan appeals to our flesh. Uh, He tempts us to satisfy the flesh. Uh, The temptation is to set our flesh on fire. And then Satan says, mission accomplished. Here's how the spirit of Jezebel works. Listen carefully, please. Well, nobody really believed this sexual purity anymore these days. It's just, it's not the thing people believe anymore. No one really keeps these old-fashioned values. The times have changed. How many times have you heard that? Even the laws are changed. 
fornication, adultery, pornography, homosexuality, and all of these are open sesame to apostasy. That is the spirit of Jezebel, and Jesus hates it. Here's the bad news. I always tell you the good news. Here's the bad news. Most Christians in Thyatira, they knew it. They close their ears, close their eyes. Who am I to rock the boat? It was wrong. But they were so worried that if they took a stand, people would leave the church. And that's why Jesus said, repent of your false tolerance. Repent of your spineless attitude. Repent of thinking that a large crowd means success in God's eyes. Otherwise, you'll suffer Jezebel's fate. But if you repent and remain steadfast, I'll give you the morning star. Revelation 22:16 tells us that Jesus is the morning star. Who would rather you have, Jesus or the approval of culture and society? Ask yourself that question. The fifth message is to the church of Sardis. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. I pray to God that not a single person would be like those folks in the church of Sardis. There is nothing good that Jesus could find to say about the church of Sardis. He said, I know your deeds. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. One of the greatest tragedies is when a church's reputation exceeds its reality. What does it mean for the church to be alive? The first thing a live church is must live under the authority of the Word of God, must be determined to obey the Word of God. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but we live in obedience to the Word of God. And the second thing is the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. And the third thing is that the Holy Spirit must be free to operate. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. How can you be afraid of your best friend? You see, when the Holy Spirit is free to operate, He's going to convict. He's going to convert. Question, can a dead church become alive again? Yes. That's what Jesus said. (laughs) He gives him five steps to go from dead to life. Wake up and discover the reality of your spiritual death. Strengthen what remains. You say, what does that mean? Well, let me explain it this way. If the doctors are operating in the operating room, and then the patient's heart stops, what do they do? They stop everything, and they do everything possible to get the heart moving. (laughs) That's strengthening what remains. Remember what you have received from God at the very beginning. Remember the time when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and you were thrilled and you were excited. You were so much in love with Jesus. Remember that. Go back to that. The truth that you knew from the very beginning. Guard it. Protect it. That's number four. Protect what you originally received and heard and hold on to it. And fifthly, he said, change your ways. Change your direction. Respond now to his love. Respond to his invitation. Six is the message to the church of Philadelphia. Chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. God is the one in charge of the door. Nobody else. He's got it right here. These are the words of him who's holy. What he opens, 
no one can shut. And what he shut, no one can open. He spells it out here. Why? He is the one. In fact, Jesus here is refuting these false teachers who say that in the last day, in the day of judgment, Jesus is going to feel sorry for the people who have rejected him, and he's going to let them in. They're contradicting everything Jesus said here. In the day of judgment, he is the one who's going to shut that door, and no one will be able to open it. But right now, he has that door wide open. Nobody can shut it, saying, come, come, come. Come, the door is open. Verse 8, Jesus is saying, I gave you every opportunity you have for ministry. Everything, every opportunity you have, Jesus gave you. Every opportunity he gave me. He says, I know you're weak by the world's standard, but I have given you opportunities for ministry. And if you use these opportunities, I'll bless you out of your socks. Now, that's a use of translation, but you get the meaning. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Did God bless you with time? Where are you spending it? Where are you spending it? Has God blessed you with influence? How are you using it? Did God bless you with wealth? Where are you investing it? On self or on the kingdom of God? Be faithful with what you have is Jesus' message to the church in Philadelphia. Finally, the seventh message is the message, the letter to the church of Laodicea. As I said, if my theologian friends who believe that these are periods of time and that we're living in the church of Laodicea time, that makes me weep uncontrollably. And trust me, sometimes I do. There's not a single positive word about the church of Laodicea. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. Why? Because if there's one thing that Jesus detests is lukewarmness. He detests lukewarmness. And this, is, beloved, is a picture of an average, normal, respected American evangelical church. And yet, it's neither on fire for Christ nor deadly cold. What Jesus is saying to the Laodicean church, he says, I deserve better than this insipid response. I deserve more than this half-hearted commitment. I suffered and died for you. And all you do for me is you tip your hats for me for an hour on Sunday morning. I gave my life for you, and all you give back to me is a shrug of the shoulder. Come late and leave early and put a couple of bucks in the plate and either love me with white hot intensity or drop dead. Let me plead with you. If your love for Jesus is lukewarm, you need to change it and change it today before you get to be spat out of his mouth. Here's what Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become really rich, white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Isn't that amazing how the Lord Jesus takes something that is unique to that town, to that city? See, the Laodicea was prosperous economically. It was a very rich city. 
so much so that in 61 AD, they had a horrible earthquake, nearly destroyed everything. But they built it back so fast without any federal dollars. (laughs) They got no money from Rome. They built it themselves. They had so much money. They were so powerful. They were so rich. Laodicea was renowned for two products. They were exporting all over the world. Textile and a Phrygian powder that was used as an eye salve. Ironically, the Lord uses those two things that they're exporting to the whole world and they brag about locally as the very thing that they spiritually need from Jesus. The real white garment is to cover the nakedness of their sin, and it can only come from Jesus. The eye salve that can cure their spiritual blindness can only come from Jesus. Oh, but the Laodiceans already knew that. They already knew it. They are spiritually naked in spite of their textile industry. And they were spiritually blind in spite of the medicine that they sell all over the world. Jesus alone is the source of salvation, beloved. Jesus alone is the source of righteousness. Jesus alone is the source of spiritual strength. When we walk with Him, and in verse 20, gives us a beautiful invitation. He said, I stand on the door and knock. Some of you might know this famous painting. It was painted by Warner Salman, who actually went to be with the Lord a few years ago. And it's a great picture. It's a great painting where it shows Jesus standing, knocking on a door. And there are thorns and thistles everywhere as a symbol of our sin. There's something else you notice in that painting. There is no doorknob on the outside. The only doorknob is from the inside. Beloved, if you refuse to let Jesus in, you must bear the consequences. You have the doorknob. Invite Him in. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.